0: From Hollywood, California, the whore capital of
1: the world, the Boulet brothers, creatures of the night.
0: Welcome to the Boulay Brothers Creatures of the Night, post-mortem recap for the Boulay Brothers Dragula Season 5, Episode 5. As always, we are your ghost hosts, the Queens of Darkness, the Boulay Brothers, Drac Morda and Swanthula. And as the creators of the Boulay Brothers Dragula, we are here to recap Episode 5 of the show, talk shop with you all and share some tidbits that only we as the show's directors and creators would know.
1: Yes, let's get into
0: it. Let's get into it. Uh, First of all, I want to thank everyone at home for watching and supporting the show. You are really the reason that we do this, and we love seeing all your feedback online. Everyone has been very engaged in it, and the competitors are really getting a lot of fans and that excites me and they're getting booked everywhere and I just love to see them blossom I mean that's kind of
1: like a big part of why we do what we do and i just want to say it too from like my perspective of course we we love our fans and they've been growing like this dark army since way back in season one yeah but i i have to say there's something special about this season there's something special about season five in the way that the fans have been supportive and interactive and even you know some negatives and arguments and like st- stuff that comes out but But what it means is people are really passionate about the show, the diversity, the challenges, the competition, and just seeing queer artists on this level. And I love
0: it. I do too. I love it. I want to thank the competitors too for coming on the show and trusting us and putting everything out there on the table. Well, some of them put a little more than others, don't they? And we're we're going to talk about that a little bit today, but overall, no matter what, I think, you know, everyone put a lot into it, no matter if maybe some people had a dump truck and some people had a Ford Festiva. Oh, God.
1: (laughs) Not the Festiva (laughs) reference.
0: Anyway, Very lower
1: middle class.
0: I know. Uh, Okay, so first I want to start out with, how surprised were you at the response to episode four? Oh, my God. I think I talked about my apprehension and my,
1: I'm going to use the F word, fear of episode four when it was coming out. Because we changed so much, right. you know, and I knew it was coming down the pipeline, and I knew, of course, you know, Jarvis was going to be the one that we lose, and I know what a fan favorite they were right out of the gate, but also the challenge and splitting Monsters of Rock into two and a lip sync and death on the spot, and I, I no was, call, so, <laughs> yeah, it, it really was a huge departure, and I was bracing for impact. Then, how many comments were like? this is one, this they is were peak like, Dragula. the best episode My ever. favorite episode of any season, the whole
0: series. I was gagged. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it either. I mean, it, it's weird. When we were forming it and we were making it, I felt that way. I was like, wow, this is really exciting and people are going to love it and this feels creatively correct. But then months go by and then you know it's coming out and you're like, oh, oh, I don't know, wait a minute. (laughs) That thought's like a little (laughs) demon
1: goblin, like playing with your brain, like as those months tick on. You know, I want to talk about the lip sync extermination for a hot minute because, of course, lip syncing and lip sync performance is a huge part of drag. Of course. Not just on other shows, but all the drag artists that are on our show, of course, that, that's what they're known for. Well, when they that's go we on tour yeah.
0: after this, that's what they're going to do. Because to date, no one has sang live on tour yet. Dolly wanted to, which I would have loved to, but we just didn't have the setup for. I would love us to sing live yeah. on tour, but that's a whole different set of people you need to take with that's you. That's a giant beast. And then, then it just, you know, that is difficult to coordinate. That's why you see like artists touring by themselves like if it was just the two of us and we sang live and we didn't have so many other people with us in the expense of all that we could bring sound people and you know all that sort of stuff absolutely i think the show will get there one day i'd love to have people singing live on the tour i think that'd be fantastic i think that would be so exciting maybe even on a little bit we we, we got
1: to hear a little bit of some live i'll use air quotes singing on this episode of the show (laughs) we sure did yeah but you know back to the lip sync i just think it was a smart decision to put it out there because it is such a huge part of the drag world. I just didn't know how it would be received. And I'm very pleasantly surprised that it was just embraced and celebrated and people love it.
0: It's not something I would do all the time. I think it's very much uh, like Drag Race's formula. I know that that's what they're famous for, but I think- you can't really own lip syncing. It's the style that they do it in though. Like that's kind of their thing, you know, and it's not yeah. something I want to visit a lot, but in this particular instance, it made sense to do that because we do need to test them, not just on their looks, but their ability to perform live and their ability to lip sync. But that style, you know, that's not usually something we do. And we still smash Jarvis's head in with a par can <laughs> at the end. So it's still very Let's different. talk about that
1: <laughs> amazing cinematic, little masterpiece that was Jarvis's death scene. Maybe the best death scene
0: of the series. You think so?
1: Yeah, I actually do. I actually do. There's so
0: many good ones this season. I kind of want to take a poll at the end and Mm. see what people think, but this is the first time we've been able to direct the death scene. So, I'm excited that people notice the difference and they like it. Oh, yeah. And I'm, God, you're making me self-conscious now. I'm not talking from that perspective,
1: like, it's the best because we directed it. I just feel like today it is, like, definitely one of the most beautiful. And it's so congruous with Jarvis's character, both in Dracula world, but also outside of Dragula world. And it was just some, some horror. I thought it was shot really beautifully. The transition between black and white, like into our weird kind of like upside down wizard of Oz death world. I yeah. mean, I just thought it was so cool. Well, I,
0: I did too. I thought it was great. So I'm glad that people, again, thank you everyone at home for, you know, giving us the feedback that you're enjoying the death scenes. It means a lot to us because we put a lot into it. One of the last things I want to talk about before we get started is JK and this response to JK, Mm -hmm. you know, and the, and the drama, I, I want to just point out to fans at home, obviously millions of people more watch the show than listen to the podcast. So this message won't reach everybody's ears, but for those of you that do listen and tune in to get a little extra feedback on the episode, I think something to remember about the situation with JK is this, JK is an outrageous personality, a lot of the people on this season are not. And I don't mean that they're not outrageous in their self-expression. I mean, they're not outrageous in the sort of reality TV, raw, I don't care what other people think, I'm going to give you my real opinion kind of way. Mm. And so when I watch it, and I know other fans think this too, I'm like, what is he doing that's pissing people off so bad? I don't get it. But I think to this cast it's a big deal. Like, the things he says registers as big because nobody else is saying anything. Yeah. Like, everyone's getting along so well and they're being so respectful. It's like they're sort of like, they have their work hats on, right? It's like they've showered that day, they've went to their nine to five and clocked in and they're going to be polite and they're not going to be confrontational like that.
1: Yeah, and I think from the outside, we see people showing up for work and then we have this one sort of like caustic character who sticks their neck out and says like, I feel like this, I feel like that, which is great reality television. And it's really good for for the competition, because that means your your emotions and your feelings are sort of bubbling right at the top. But that stress, this, the stress that creates that bubbling emotion applies to everybody. So even if the other nine, 10, 11 contestants are kind of together, or they're a little bit more focused on the competition and not being like spicy in the lab, they're still under a lot of stress. Yeah. So the minute that someone like JK sticks their neck out, bam, like right. there's your target. And we see, I mean, it is just disproportionate. So many people are coming for JK throughout the whole season Well,
0: so far. I mean, again, who's saying anything else? If you, if JK was, and I'm talking about at this point in the competition because that changes later on. But at this point so far, no one else is sort of, challenging anybody or calling them out or sort of saying anything that would rub anyone's feathers the wrong way so there's really no reason for anybody to get upset at each other you know and how authentic is that I don't know. I guess I'll leave the audience. Everyone can have their own opinions about it, I suppose. Cynthia is not
1: going to start something, but she'll definitely go all in to try to finish it. And she she said that. She said that off the bat. She's like, I'm
0: not the type of person that, I think she said it in her interview, I'm not the type of person that's going to start something, but I'll definitely finish it. So the two of them together is creating this automatic. (laughs) Oh, and there's such a
1: good moment during episode five. I mean, there's a
0: little bit with Blackberry and Anna, but that really didn't go very far either, did it? (laughs) <laughs> we'll see what happens. But all right, I think yes. we should take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to dig right into episode five. Stay tuned, uglies. Okay, we're back and it's time to dig into the Belay Brothers' Dracula Episode 5, The Monsters of Rock, Part 2. This first lab is so good. And part of the
1: reason is Orgotic's ability to throw, land, and execute a death curse. It worked. I couldn't believe it. It worked. I mean, the way that it fits into the blessing of Dracula and just all of the stuff that we talk about synchronicities with the show and everything, even Jarvis's death, because that death was planned and we did not know Jarvis's character uh, history when we planned that death. And and the fact that Orgodic says in the last episode, oh, after you put me up for rats, I'm going to curse you. I'm going to be your harbinger of death. And then Jarvis goes home to the next episode.
0: This cast has an uncanny ability to state things and then bring those statements into existence despite all odds because when jk on episode three at the beginning was like i'm gonna win this episode i was like i'd like to see that happen <laughs> <laughs> i'd like to see that happen and then i was like okay it did happen <laughs> you're, and there's another instance too
1: because fantasia is fighting with jk after that win right. Like now you got a win and you're all you know now you know everything and she's like well i, I am gonna get a win like watch it. you'll see
0: and you'll be the joke and then the, ne- the, ne- that, the yeah. next episode it's wild it is and the same things happening with Orgotics. Like I curse Jarvis, I'm going to take you out next. Literally next episode, it happens. Our little monsters are manifesting. It's true. That is a sign of of their power. Their growing power. So I like to see it. So we have Cynthia and J.K. get into it again, and. JK has the infamous, maybe you're not that much of a monster, which that is, that is like the triggering sentence on
1: Dracula, right? (laughs) It really is. But honestly, in this instance, I don't think anyone saw it coming because it was kind of almost like hell had frozen over for a few minutes in the, in the lab because... Fantasia was getting some flowers and Jay had something nice to say and even Throbs had something nice and supportive to Fantasia. And then Cynthia comes forward with her feelings like, hey, we had that moment in in the cauldron and I felt like I showed up for you as a friend. And then you flipped me off on stage. Do you understand how disrespectful that is to me? And what I thought was coming was Jay having a moment of reaching out and basically extending an olive branch and being kind of like, I get it, girl. Thank you for being there. But no, it was like, Oh, if you were that triggered by me flipping you off then
0: maybe you're just not that much of a monster and everyone's like, (laughs) here we go again. Well, I mean, you know, I think the argument is, well, you thought it was funny for orgotic to pour a drink on me and I shouldn't have taken that personally. So why are you taking it personally that I flicked you off? Yeah. It's messy, messy, but that's, that's reality TV, right? That's what we, that's what we all want to see. (laughs) Nobody wants to sit down and watch them all get along, right? No. Um, that's not very fun. Okay, so then we do challenge issuing. We clarify that there are two looks. I think that's important to do because in past seasons, uh, at least one person has been confused <laughs> about the fact that there was two looks, even though we tell them a hundred million times. but I think <laughs> it's important to reiterate for the audience that we do tell them that they need two looks. Yes, and We tell them that they have to go and record their vocals for the song. So why did we do this, but then you didn't hear it? I want to address this now because people might ask this. We had them go record their vocals, but then you don't see it in the floor show. Here's the thing. We wanted them to record their vocals because whoever wins the challenge, their vocals will be on the song. So we have to record everybody's vocals while they're here in town. So that's what we did. Um, it is a little confusing though. You'd, you'd think, well, am I going to hear them singing the song, you know, but anyways, well, the truth is two versions of the song will be
1: released. There's the, the original, which is the one that all of the monsters lip sync to. And then there's the, the
0: winner's version where their lyrics are going to be featured in a certain part of the track. And this is a reminder, the song is out now. So make sure you go and listen to Gods of Death on repeat a million times, spread it to all your friends, do a TikTok to it, do a dance, whatever. I don't care, spread it around. Thank you, okay. (laughs) Good one, Drak. thank you. Once
1: the challenge has been issued, they all start to sing and you can clearly see that Fantasia's side is like really strong. And then Orc basically sounds like a dying animal. It's like, oh my God. And my favorite, Cynthia's like, Oh, we could tune that. That's cute. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: love her. Well, he did better in the studio than he did having to audition on the spot, I'll say. For sure. So we free the monsters get their challenge. They go to rehearsals. They go to the soundstage, band rehearsals, Fantasia Sides not doing super well, which was surprising. I thought they were gonna get along really good. I thought they got along good, but I think the, the part that was surprising was
1: As a collective, they didn't have a vision and focus, or at least it didn't seem it. I wasn't seeing it. And I think I said so in the the judgment that it almost felt like they were four planets kind of spinning on their own axis with no gravitational pull toward each other. Mm -hmm. And I think as a group challenge, that is like paramount. That is number one.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. And then Orgonix's team got along surprisingly well. They were flowing with ideas. I like that JK... Said, pour a whole bottle of stuff on me. I don't care. Like, I love that. That was really smart. I really respect that too. And it was kind of like a surreal moment
1: when the fantasy of Dragula, because Dragula is a fantasy that we've created, a dark glam horror fantasy, but the fantasy of the show and and the reality of its creators, the two of us kind of come together. And to have the monsters in Tomas's recording studio, where we have recorded all of our music, yeah. was so strange. It was like an episode of the Twilight
0: Zone. I thought so too. So for listeners at home, this is one of those kind of behind the scene things The recording studio where the Monsters were is where we have recorded every song we have ever released. So that is our music producer studio, Tomas. He works with us on all of our music. He also works with us to create the tracks for the floor show. So we work back and forth with him on picking the sounds and the Mm -hmm. different things that you hear in the floor shows that make those up and our original music that has our lyrics and stuff on it. So yeah, you're right. It was weird to see them in there. It was really surreal and kind of fun and cool. I felt like we were... Full
1: circle in a way. So the ghouls are working on their look. We need to talk about our look.
0: Okay, what do you want to say about (laughs) it? Bitch,
1: this look, my God. This is a Masters of the Universe inspired black and red lamprey armor fantasy with that cunty little silver slick back wig and that arterial blood splatter makeup
0: dead You loved it dead it was fun to paint that day because it was like you paint everything perfect but then we kind of slop it up with the splatter which, which you is, know i love you do. love the splatter I really yeah yeah
1: even the drips too i'm like i know it wasn't your favorite and it wasn't because of the makeup it was because of the hat yeah. but for the haunted hotel like it, there was that like kind of like organic drip and
0: spray i, I kind I of did that. like that i yeah. thought yeah i thought Thank the makeup you. for episode yeah. three was great and uh this one too it was fun to do i i like to be able to go a little bit outside of the box. We don't ever go too crazy on the show because, hi, we have to represent, you know, our image. But we went in a little bit with the makeup,
1: and I think it really created, like, this really critical, vicious look and people were like, oh my god Swan, you look like so angry. Really? Are people saying that? That day. I I remember being on set and people were like, oh my god, whatever you do with your eyes, because they were really articulated way up, more extreme than I normally paint.
0: I call this our Hordak armor. Mm -hmm. I love Hordak armor. I wear Hordak armor every day if I could. It Uh. It just feels correct.
1: Oh, it looks correct. It feels correct. It evokes the right vibe. I love this
0: look. Yeah, and our friend in Italy makes these looks for us. We usually do like at least one a season we've done I think we might have done two on episode four but we work with him to design them he does such a great job he's the best at it he's the best armor maker of all
1: so So happy with him and everything just it's overseas shipping too so I'm always like oh my god is it on its way but it, it always arrives it always looks amazing and we actually have some more pieces of his coming up In the
0: finale, that's right, that's right. So we did do two on the season two. So let's talk about our judges this episode. So here to help us judge this week's floor show is none other than the winner of the Blade Brothers Dragula season four, and one of the stars of the Blade Brothers Dragula season two, the one and only Dolly, and a featured artist on Dragula Resurrection, (laughs) Dolly. Yeah, Dolly's been on a lot of stuff. Yeah, I thought this was the perfect challenge to have Dolly on. If those of you at home don't know, Dolly has been doing music way before they ever did drag and in fact back when they started doing drag we were doing Dragula as a live event and I remember we had friendly connections that i remember reaching out to him and being like i I want you to come and do live music at dragula and he was like oh i don't know like i've never done it in a club before he's always done it on tours and things Mm -hmm. like that and i was like but now that you're doing drag you should sing live so we got them to come out and perform live at the dragula party which i thought was so fun awesome and who Ah, knew deadly good the connection would just be you know how many times has that happened to us i know it's so crazy yeah I think there's
1: a lot of synchronicities like that and let's move over to our other judge we have Jasmine Bean on as our as our second Jayla. guest judge I, this is like a full circle thing too because Jasmine was a fan of the show I think before the music career really kicked off yeah before yeah I heard that they wanted to audition for the show but then the music really kind of exploded but they've always stayed connected and of course we know a lot of Jasmine's music exposure through the show and through Hoso who took Puppy Pound on tour and like other songs and performances so see Secretly, Jasmine is a little bit of like part of the soundtrack of the tour and traveling.
0: Jasmine used to sneak out to the events before they were of age. (laughs) So that (laughs) happened too. Which of course we love and support. Which I love. And when I talked to them on the phone, I talked to them on the phone like a couple of months back. And they were like, oh my God, I really wanted to audition for the show, but I was underage and I don't know, blah, blah. blah. And I was like, it's so perfect because then they created this persona and this music career Mm -hmm. and it took off. And I'm so proud of them and what they've been able to accomplish. It's really inspiring. And Jasmine is so chill. They're on my side of the, the booth. So we got to kind of
1: kiki for a while. Very dry humor. And I do think you see some of that in the show hilarious yeah but i thought the feedback about the authentic punk performance was really well said and mm-hmm. valuable
0: yeah i'd love to have jasmine back i think they're a great i judge. think so dolly of course is so mild but precise in their criticism i i appreciate i appreciate their feedback a lot both of them so then we have the floor show yes the monsters of rock battle of the band's floor show how do you think it rated compared to previous seasons I thought it stood up
1: very well when we compare all of the seasons and all the performances of Monsters of Rock. I thought Orgodic's band is probably like in the top two or three bands that have competed across the series. There's two bands every season, so we might be like 10 or 12 bands by this point. I do think back to PMS's legendary performance on season two, because it was so good. I mean, the performance was just out of this world and it was so crazy and punk and boisterous. So it it had a lot of that, but what it didn't have was some of the stuff that organics band had was just this immediate iconic look and it was so him, but everyone got to appear with their own flavor. So I just thought it was so well handled and it was really entertaining.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I think if I had to compare it to previous seasons, yeah, season two's Battle of the Bands was pretty fantastic. And I actually think season three's was really good too. But so I would and say- And season fours was- no, I like think all, season all two maybe- has done it the best so far to me. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think so. But I will say they had a lot more time. I think they had an entire week to get ready for that and rehearse and all that, yeah. which is definitely not what they had here on season five. Yeah. But I still think they did a great job. And I think Orgotic's band clearly won. They were more cohesive. They have more gags mm-hmm. and tricks. And you could feel that they were enjoying being on
1: stage. Oh yeah. It was joyous. And they felt like a band, not four planets with no gravitational
0: pull. They they felt like a solar system, yeah. a rock and roll, dark glam solar system. So Orgodic's band wins and Orgodic actually wins the challenge overall. So congratulations again to Orgodic mm-hmm. on snatching the win and being featured on Gods of Death, which is the first time we've ever had a Dragula competitor be on one of our songs. So fun. And- I think you did a great job. Definitely, again, go listen to it. and Let us know what you think, if you think you did good or not. Let us know your thoughts as
1: long as they're good.
0: <laughs> let us know your thoughts as long <laughs> as they're positive. No. Exactly. Um, so then, okay, so then after this, we go to the cauldron. Yes. And so we have Anna and Neo up for extermination. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I think that Anna had an incredible attitude. I think Anna had the right attitude about this extermination. What do you think? The
1: only attitude of a winner, honestly, even if it is your time to go, as we've said a million times about this show, just because you might go out early or in the middle or somewhere before you wanted to doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad artist. It means that the the way that the challenges fell maybe didn't fall to your favor. And that's just what fate had in store for you. But Anna chose to say, well, no, I'm going to go at this full force, as hard and ferocious as possible. I'm going to get the nastiest, biggest,
0: craziest tattoo. I mean, that's the attitude to go into it with. Absolutely. And so... A little homage back to season two again. We had our same tattoo artists come back all these years later and tattoo Anna and Neo, and they brought some truly tattoo Amazing.
1: But let's talk about the tattoo bus because they've had some upgrades too. So is Dracula. But (laughs) since we last saw them, their whole situation has gotten a lot better too. It
0: has. They have like an army of of buses now. And we gave them the ideas of what we wanted. We (laughs) we told them because they were like, What do you want us to do for a flash art? So Swan and I came up with some fun looks and then they drew them out. And um I think they did a wonderful job of realizing our vision. It exceeded my expectation.
1: And Anna's little Anna decided to put some stank on it. Not only clapping back to one of the first memes of Dragula season one, not tonight, but put a little British accent into it. And then the double entendre, not tonight, not tonight.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't get enough of that. We both of them. I don't know which one was worse because getting that on your stomach, I don't know what's worse. And I asked Anna, I was like, Anna, what are you going to do when you hook up? Are you gonna When you hook up with people, are you <laughs> going to warn them? Or are you just going to be like, we're back at the house. Surprise. <laughs> and Anna said, it's an invitation. It's just going to be a know. surprise. She was like, it's just going to be a surprise. And I'm like, more power to you. Brilliant. So the tattoos were fantastic. Both of them did an excellent <laughs> job. I think this one really came down to how they've performed in the competition so far in terms of who went home. But as far as who got the worst tattoo, I think they were neck and neck. Yeah. Thematically, they were very similar. I mean. They both had positive attitudes. <laughs> they were a lot of fun. They both went at it full force. Yeah. Neo, Neo did not take it for granted and think, eh, I've been doing pretty good. They're not going to send me home and get some little tattoo. Yeah. She
1: went full ham. Yeah. yeah. The placement too. That's like undeniable. Yeah.
0: And so then we have, uh, we discover that Anna is the one that goes home. She's wandering around in the haunted house, mm. and you're hiding under one of the ghosts. Yes, Just give her a good stab, a good classic stab. I appreciated it. I thought it was a, a great slasher movie style kill. Yeah, it was really fun. That room was. Remember, I,
1: I, the room was like maybe like twenty by twenty, and there was like a million of those like uh, shrouded figures. I got lost in there. Yeah, so that?
0: I <laughs> was, I I was directing that one, and you were in it. And we had everything set up. We had shot. We had to shoot it so many different ways. It seems when you watch it, it's like, wow, you that must have been really easy. Mm-hmm. It was not really easy. We were there like for a million hours. And film is just
1: like that all the time. It,
0: it, it is. It's like every little move you make. Mm-hmm. It, it's like you're shooting it so many times. But um, yes, yeah, one, you you walked back in for that one pickup scene, and you went and stood somewhere, and I was like, hey you're not even in front of the camera. like, what are you doing? You're like, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. I'm like, you're, you thought I was messing with I you. I totally
1: thought you were messing. I thought you'd move the furniture around when I, <laughs> when I left. But the fact was I came in from a different way. I have my contacts in, I'm shrouded. I'm, you I know, know, it was a lot. There was a lot. So when I was standing there, I'm like, why is the, why are the cameras not pointed? Why is the light <laughs> over there? Like, what the fuck is this team doing? <laughs> Your internal compass failed you once again. (laughs) Oh, my God. You know I fall victim all the time. It
0: was so hot in there, too. And Anna was in all that latex. Mm -hmm. Oh, She was a good sport that day. Yeah. Very good sport. But everyone's been great about the death scenes. I think the death scenes, it's fun for them. It's a feature. You get to star in your own horror A little featurette.
1: It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah,
0: It's great. On that note...
1: Now that anaphylactic has been laid to rest, we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will be reaching into our bag
0: of listener mail. All right, we're back and we have a lot of listener questions this episode. So we're going to try to get to them quickly uh, remember, if you want us to answer anything about the show or a previous episode or whatever, feel free to email us at creatures at belaybrothersdragula.com, and we will read your question on air and answer it. Yay. Our first question comes from Bree. Bri
1: those shoes on episode four, I have been a fan for years and could go on for nearly an eternity about how fabulous the whole Dragula family is, but I need to know more about those shoes from the episode's outfit. The details, please. I was absolutely gagged and paused it to write this email. I love this. So Brie literally just paused the show and wrote into the podcast
0: because she's like, I need those shoes. So here's the story with the shoes. The shoes were made by an artist that goes by Zombie Peep Show on Instagram. So if you want to check them out, it's Zombie Peep Show. We have had these shoes. We got these shoes made. I believe it was for season three. A couple of years ago, I was going to say. It was a long time ago. And the outfit that we got them made for didn't come together right, or they didn't look right once we paired it with it. So we've been waiting to wear them forever. And this episode was it. Mm-hmm. I love those shoes. They're so fantastic. Go out and buy a pair. Buy two. Buy Definitely. ten. There's a lot of different styles. Go to Zombie Peep Show. Buy them. But don't be prepared to have your feet feel comfortable after wearing them. <laughs> Not because of their work but because once you sort of solidify a shoe with all that stuff it doesn't really bend after yeah. that so it hurts like most things that make us beautiful like everything that's worth it it hurts uh next up we have douglas from dc douglas says i love the last episode once again proving your icon status and not only horror but drag personally i find this last edit of the show to be more in line with what i felt was the Dracula brand that i fell in love with is there any reason why the first three episodes edits didn't have enough of the monster build i assume he's talking about them making their looks in the lab i guess that's maybe? what it sounds like yes um it's kind of interesting because in previous seasons i think we featured that last but who knows everyone has an opinion mm-hmm. um I think because there's so many more competitors at the beginning of the season and there's only so much screen time, we try to divvy it up as best we can. And I guess that's the only reason. (laughs) That's what I would have said too. At the beginning when there's 11 and then 10 and 11 again,
1: there's a lot of people and a lot of creatives to go through. So it happens kind of quickly and and all aspects of the show take a little bit longer because there's more people. So that means all, all sections of the show get a little bit less screen time. Simeo from Portugal asks, who is the most perfectionist when it comes to directing the show? I'm going to assume it's me, would you say? I was going to say it really kind of depends what we're filming. Yeah. Because when it comes to like the performance from the
0: competitors, I really get in there. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. So it switches back and forth, I guess. LJ from Milwaukee asks... My question is, are the cast members encouraged to talk to somebody and pull them on the side or was that genuine monster kindness being filmed? And uh, I think they're referring to when they go and have side conversations. We basically tell them, If you want to go have a side conversation with someone, you can. You are not trapped in this room. In fact, we encourage them to not feel trapped in the room. We tell them to forget that the cameras are there and just go about their business. So if they want to have a side conversation, the crew follows them, and that's what it is. And that translates to genuine
1: monster kindness was filmed more than once, and we see more of that kind of support amongst them as the season goes on. Mm Mm-hmm. Frankie from Argentina asks, my question is about the process of the promo photo shoot. Do you give the girls a theme in specific or it's just what they want to show up in? Do the photo shoots happen before the season starts to film?
0: So they're not given a theme because as we always encourage them to do on the show, we tell them we want to see you at your fullest. Or show me what is the epitome of your drag character in this look. Because it's going to define who you are as an artist to a lot of people. It'll probably be the photo that people see of you the most for your whole career. That's the part we tell them over and over.
1: Because the promo photo is one of the first things that we do. We need it to be like all the composites. Like putting it together. Our shoot. It's like a lot of photography work going into that, but this is also the iconic stamp look of the season that people will see a hundred million times. In my mind, it's a little bit of a test. How iconic can you be and how stamped can you make your look? Is this a signature Blackberry look, or is this a signature Jarvis look? And, And how much do we see that through the season?
0: Yeah. And we actually advise them on that look. And this is the thing I'll never understand. And I just have to say it. When people push back, right? And they're like, no, I'm confident. This is what I'm doing. I'm like, you realize the people that make and judge <laughs> the show are telling you this ain't the look. I know. And you're saying, no, I want to do it anyways. To each their own. Cool. You know, I'm I'm like, what? What are you? Yeah. Anyways. But yeah, so they are allowed to do whatever they want within reason. There's definitely looks that have been rejected before or there's been looks. It's like, hey, maybe you should consider this or whatever. And it's filmed early in the season, not before necessarily. It may have in previous seasons been before the season starts, but somewhere early on in the season it happens. Yeah, Rupert from rural England, not the city, from the country asks, "Do you receive a lot of fan feedback that they feel empowered like myself to overcome personal fears and challenges by taking inspiration from watching contestants in exterminations?" Well, Rupert, not nearly enough. <laughs> I don't I hear people enjoying the exterminations, but I don't hear people come and say that helped me face a fear or I drew inspiration from it, which I don't understand because Dealing with anxiety is all about facing that fear head yeah. on. And I feel like watching other people do it should inspire more people to do it. I agree. There is something about Dracula, though, that
1: we've heard over and over and over again that kind of soothes people's mental health. There's something embracing about seeing... Kind of a group of misfits and people that don't fit in in other places just shine and become superheroes and their superpower is the thing that separated them from everybody else. And I think that that's kind of soothing in a way for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, we get a lot of messages about the show inspiring people to be who they are, but not the exterminations in particular. right? Unfortunately... Maybe we just have to make them a little nastier. I think so. Liz
1: from North Carolina writes, my question is, were the rats pet rats or were they like the big ones from the streets? (laughs) I would love for you guys to answer my question since it's my birthday today. Well, Liz, we take birthdays very seriously. So happy birthday to Liz from North Carolina, from our pair of little black hearts to yours. Happy birthday, ugly.
0: As far as the rats, the rats were big. They were big. They were not little mice, that's for sure. And they were hungry and nippy. They definitely were. Though as many people have wrote in to tell me, rats like peanut butter more than cheese, which I know because the trainers told us to use peanut butter, which we did, which is how Anna got that little nibble on her finger towards (laughs) the end there. But um, the rats were cute. I thought they were cute. And I mean, like I said, everyone thinks differently about exterminations. You know, some people thought the rats were cute. What's the big deal? Some people were terrified. Oh, so nasty, crazy. You I know. could never. Yeah. Yeah. I thought so. they were
1: really adorable too. We've said it a million times. We love animals and kind of hate people. The rats were treated very well. Not one rat was hurt. In fact, they were like loved on and could noodle. Yeah, over. I loved them. Yeah.
0: They're like really adorable. Yeah. I just didn't put any peanut butter on my hands when I was petting them. <laughs> All right, well, that's all the time we have today for questions and for the rest of the podcast. Thank you again for listening to the podcast and for watching the Belay Brothers Dragula season five. If you have questions for us, make sure to send them to creatures at belaybrothersdragula.com and we will try to answer them all live on air. Until next time, uglies, we'll see you soon.
1: Boulay Brothers Creatures of the Night is hosted and produced by Drakmorda and Swantula Boule, along with co-host Ian DeVogler, with music by Niran Spectre.